Well, we're continuing in our series today on times and seasons. God has um, placed that upon our hearts, that especially the time that we're in right now. It is very prevalent. Um, I'm not a theologian. I've gone to Bible school, but I think with what we're seeing in our, in, in our times right now, not just here, but around the world, that if we're not there, we are entering into a stage of, of those last days. I don't say that. I, people get scared. I don't see that as a way of frightening people. I think it's an exciting period of time because I know so many people and so many Christians believe that if we just change political parties, things will get better in this country. And I want to tell you, nothing gets better in our country and our world until Jesus comes back. Okay? Remember, and, and I relate that back to when Jesus came, those, the, the, the disciples and those in the synagogues and those Jews were looking for some type of political upheaval and an uproar at that point. And what they got was the Messiah coming in the midst when they totally disregarded and missed him. And so the purpose of the times and seasons is that we keep our eyes focused on what God is beginning to do and what God is doing in our world today. And so that way, we're focused on it, but we're also looking for his return. And that's something that he explains to us all the time in his, in his scriptures. Just think about this. In the last two and a half years, we've gone through a global pandemic, political unrest, wars and rumors of wars, supply chain issues, which I never thought in modern day we would have, baby formula shortages and more riots. This, the, the times and the seasons and the times we're moving in are going to be, if they're not there for you, already very stressful and pressure-driven. I mean, I think about those things in our own lives that might be affecting us, a death of a loved one that we have to process. Maybe it's a marriage that is going through. I've, I've had more friends and people that I know in the last few years through this pandemic that their marriages have on the rocks or they've ended their marriage. And divorce is another issue. Or we see people that are switching from job to job are, are in the process of what we're going to see over these next year or so. And we're already seeing as people losing their jobs and having to decide what they're going to take next. We're dealing in the pandemic with illnesses, things that we've never even heard of that our physicians don't know why we're we're, we're experiencing some of the things we're experiencing. And I think other causes of things of stress in our time is that is an issue of unresolved sin that, that we have, that we're just, we, we know we're supposed to be, we're trying to live that godly life, but maybe we just haven't let God into that portion of our life. And so one of the things I want to look at today is how we can look at stress in our society, in our life, because I, I think that what happens when we get stressed and people get that pressure put on them, they do things that they don't normally want to do. And they act out in ways they normally don't act out. And we, we, we saw that and you see that in scripture when pressure was put on. Look at the disciples when that spirit of God came upon them. These were men and women that a few weeks earlier were wishy-washy. The spirit of God came upon them. And when Jesus left, the pressure came upon them, and they stood in the gap for, for those around them. They stood in the gap for the history of ourselves. 
that the gospel continued to be preached. See, I want to tell you, the, the bad news is, is things like this are going to keep happening. These type of things are going to continue, continue happening in our world. The good news is, and the good news is, is that Jesus Christ came not to, to walk us through it and to, to help us get through it, but to lift us up so we rise above those situations. Amen. That we can rise above it with the peace and the joy that he, he's called us to live with. I think I actually, Christ obligates himself out of this. He doesn't obligate himself in, in Scripture to take the, these situations away from us. I think he wants us to walk through them so that way we learn how to handle the pressures and stress. We might not like it, but we learn how to handle it and walk through that. One thing that I, I know is I know when my abilities are limited, but I trust that my God's abilities are unlimited. Amen. So no matter what I walk through, God is there and he will say, listen to what, what John tells us here. This is what, or excuse me, what John repeated what Jesus told him. He said, I have told you these things so that in time you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. He's telling us already, we're going to have troubles. We know that. We're not exempt from it no matter where we are. I know what society has always had them. But listen to how he finishes this statement. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Amen. It is not through our strength that we overcome these situations. If you're trying to do that and trying to fight through in your own strength, you, that will never happen. You'll be a yo-yo. You'll constantly be going back and forth. But in the strength of Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can overcome no matter what obstacle is placed before us. Psalms tells us, listen to what the psalmist says here. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. All. He takes us out of all. That word afflictions, that word afflictions comes from a Caesarean torture that they did. See, they would take people and they would put them up and strap them to a stake or a pole, and they'd walk around and they'd lay these rocks around that person all the way up, build it out to almost it look like a teepee. And what would happen was with all those rocks and all those all those pressures, and they're tied, they can't move. Every bit of those rocks put pressure on them to the point that their bodies would be crushed. And I say that because I think that's really, when he says here, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many of there's pressures going to be upon us, and the whole thing that the enemy wants to do is crush us. He wants us to, to cry out to God. We can't make it. The God, the God telling God that no matter what, and I, I mess up again, and we're almost giving ourselves excuse, but he finishes that, but he delivers them out of it all. Yeah. See, I think so many times as believers, we're in the midst of a trial. We're in the midst of a really rough season, and we quit, and we fall down just short of our victory, and we need that victory to remind us of who Christ is in our lives. We need that victory so that we, we learn to overcome those obstacles. God's not wanting us to be overcome by it. So the title of my message today is Pressed But Not Crushed. I think what I want to do is, is look at five things that Paul went through in the book of Philippians. If you've never read the book of Philippians, I want to encourage you. It's a short book. But it is one of those books that is packed 
with so much meat and so much joy in it that when you read it, you begin to understand Paul a little bit more about Paul. I mean, he starts out in, in verse 4 of Philippians. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, say it with me, rejoice. This is a man that when he penned this is in prison. This is the man that's in prison and he's, and he's restrained and in cuffs or how they chains with a, with a guard sitting on him. They feared him so much. Now, he's not in a prison with, you know, with tennis courts and those. He is in a prison in one of the, probably one of the worst prisons of that time. And yet he has the wherewithal and his walk with God to say, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And see, that's what Paul gives us in the, in advice on the five things that, we, that I think we can take away from this as believers as we head into this season, as we head into to maybe to, to, uh, t- tough times in our own lives where the enemy is trying to come in, he's trying to discourage us, he's trying to, to make us slip up, and he's trying to do all these things, and yet we can take away from this. So I want to just start off with one. Here it says, worry about nothing. See, and Paul tells us here in Philippians that we're not to be anxious about anything. Anxious about anything. When worry is borrowing from the future on something that probably will never happen. And we worry about it. Basically, that word worry there takes us in, 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 in the translation, it means to strangle or to choke. So when we're worrying we're, we're stroking or choking ourselves. We're strangling ourselves. In the Greek translation, it means a double-minded. And think about that. Because you're worrying, you're trying to live life, but you're worrying about something that might never happen, but the enemy has placed it there, so you, all you're doing is thinking about this and that. And you're really not present with what God really wants you to at that moment. But you're worrying, and you continue to worry. I think Jesus has addressed this in Matthew, where he says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Think about that. No matter what we walk through, worry is not going to add anything to us. It takes away. It drains us. And it gives us, it makes us double-minded. I think we all walk through that, and I know it's easier said than done, but I think we all walk through that moment. But we, we really have to walk through and be resistant of, of, of just worrying about things that might never happen and allowing ourselves to, to be taken out of that moment, allowing ourselves to, to begin to do things and thank things because, you know what, our God is a great God. Amen. He didn't bring us, you know, for some of us that have been blessed and, been, and God has poured out His Spirit and we've served Him faithfully all these years, why is it we run through trouble? We think at that moment God is choosing in our life to abandon us and go we'll do someone else. When he has faithfully brought us through every situation that we could ever stand for and stand against. Because he wants to see us get the victory. He wants us to see us do the things that he's called us to do. Matthew addresses it one more time in Jesus' fear. He says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen to that? And you've been given the wisdom how to overcome that trouble for that day. Someone once said, today is tomorrow that you worried about yesterday. 
You know, it's kind of a vicious cycle there, isn't it? So my takeaway from, from worry about nothing is to live one day at a time. We can plan, and I truly believe God wants us to plan our future. But when we get that moment where the doctor might give us a bad news or maybe our spouse is, is giving us something that's too much for us to handle or, or maybe we're, we're hearing rumblings at the job that layoffs are getting ready to come or just something is coming to disturb our spirit, we, at that point, we have to make a choice. We're going to follow that line or we're going to say, no, Lord, I'm staying in today. All I know is what's happening right now. Because that is going to take my, what it does is it takes our focus off of the things that God really wants us to do. See, he's, he's about being now. So I'm so worried about tomorrow and the things that are going to happen that God sends someone my way and I totally forget about sharing the good news with them. That I'm so worried about that diagnosis that maybe not happen or maybe it will happen, but the enemy has got me chasing it. Then when God brings upon someone that's down and out and that he wants me to share the good news of the gospel, and I just totally forgot it and disregard it because I'm so tied up in worry. But if we're in the present, we're in the now, our eyes are looking around for those that God wants us to, to pour into their life. Enjoy the moment right here and now. Why do you think Christ told us and when his disciples says, teach us how to pray? Remember what he tells us? Give us this day our daily bread. He didn't, say, he didn't tell us to pray for tomorrow's bread. He didn't tell us to pray for next week, this day. When the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they told him to eat the manna, and he provided for that day. If you remember the story, the manna they left on the ground except for the, day, the Sabbath day began to rot. So if they didn't collect, they didn't have enough, then that, that, that would rot after that, that one day was done. So he's concerned about our day. So fix worry by saying right here, right now, I'm going to stay focused on what Christ is before me. The second point is pray about everything. But the Bible never tells us to stop doing something without starting doing something else. And what I, what I mean by that is that when God tells us to stop worrying and not to worry, we have to replace it with something. So it says, pray about everything. So we pray, replace that worry with, I'm going to stop and pray. I'm not going to just pray for the little things. I'm going to pray for the big things. I'm going to pray for everything. We used to have these bracelets that we got a number of years ago. And I think most of them were all probably all gone. But it said, <laughs> you got it. Pray first. Pray first. Pray first before you respond to someone's text. Pray first before that word comes out to someone that just upsets you. Pray first before that you get up next to that car that just cuts you off. Pray first to someone that just hurts your feelings and that you don't respond in that wrong way. See, when we pray first and we learn, that's when God begins to do things. So I think too many believers, prayer is the last resource. And it should be our first response. We don't pray. We, we, we take in that worry. We get overwhelmed real quick. Like, but yet we've stopped. We've never prayed for it. We've never prayed for direction. We've never prayed for that healing maybe. Because we're too very busy thinking about that, that situation. Paul tells us in Philippians, he continues on. 
and everything by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. You ever stop and listen to our prayer sometimes? Sometimes I, I and I've caught myself, and that, this really hit home. But I think we forget the fact that when we, when we pray, we're supposed to have thanksgiving. That thanksgiving is, is an issue of expectation that God's going to answer my prayer. That expectation might be yes. That expectation might be no. But God's going to answer it. But we, when we don't do it, and we don't go in there, we just go down and we, like we've already been beaten. But learn. Now, some of the stuff is things that we have to learn and control ourselves. That, then we go into that moment of prayer. We go in and like, God, I am standing for it. Thank you, Father. Thank you for being here with me through this situation. He goes on in verse 7 of chapter 4. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will, listen to this, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So when we go in prayer and petition with thanksgiving and present our request, he's saying he's going to guard our hearts and our minds. That's, that's the victory right there. That's how we learn to overcome. So if this is resonating and some of you, this might hit home with you, I want to pray for you. Maybe at the end of the service, we have the altar time. Come down. Step out. God wants you to get the victory over this situation. Peter tells us that he that cast all your anxiety, which is that word translates into worry, on him. Why? Because he cares for you. God cares for you. We're his children. If you think we're just some pawns in an ocean that are just bobbing up and down, that's, that's a lie from the enemy. He cares about us. He genuinely cares. So my takeaway from pray about everything why is because he cares. Jesus cares about us. He's cared for us from the time we were conceived in the womb to the time that we are, time for us to go on to our great reward. He oversees every obstacle in every situation. No problem is too big for God's power or too small for God's concern. No problem is too big for his ability or too small because he cares. I, I get tired when people say, when you ask them about, they're telling you about something, well, did you pray? No. This is really kind of insignificant. And, you know, it's, God's got other things to worry about. That is a lie from the enemy. I, I, my, I almost have to control myself because I want to slap someone. Okay? We serve, yeah, pray for me. We serve a great big God. I've had headaches I've prayed for. I've stubbed my toe and I've prayed for that pain to go away. Those are little things, right? But God's concerned about everything. And if it, what, what we want to do is in our lives develop a culture of prayer so that everything we do, we learn to pray to him first before we go to complain about it. We learn to pray to him first before we figure out that we're defeated. And the enemy has time to set his, heart, set our, his sights on us. We want to pray first so that we can begin to see what God's going to do to get us through this. We pray first so that we have that victory. We can thank him and praise him as we walk in to, to maybe a new life or, or a different situation. I'll tell you something, church. I have been in situations where I was up against the wall and pinned by the enemy, and I began to pray, and I began to war before the Lord. 
and I could not see a way to get out, but yet Christ led me through every of those situations. And I guarantee you, we can go through this room, and that would be everyone's testimony at various times in their lives. Number three is think about the right things. Why as Christians, why as believers, do we struggle with this? That our first mindset is on we get some bad news or we get some, it goes to the most darkest place around. We work, you know, the, the first two points I brought out, worry about nothing, pray about everything, that is our basis. That, that is something that we can build on. These next three items are things that, that mix it all together. Just help us. And I think our thought life is very important for us as believers. Because the enemy is doing his job to discourage us. He tells us how ugly we are. He tells us how fat we are. He tells us that we're not good at our job. He is coming to condemn why he is the accuser of the saints. And he's going to do everything he can to get your mind off of what God has for you and onto yourself. Why? It's because we have a selfish nature that we have to fight off. And that we have to learn to get that victory. You ever, you ever been in service, and maybe today's one, maybe you've been in here, begin to praise the Lord, get into worship, and then you just feel the peace and the presence of God. Amen. Amen. And as soon as service is over, boom, your mind goes to something else. Anyone else? Why is that? Because we, we take our, our eyes off of Christ, and we go back to that. We, we need to war more. Worship is a great place to come into it. Because we're surrendering ourselves in the presence of the Lord. And everything just falls down. But for some reason, we feel like we walk out of here, we walk in to get, in to get into our cars or go home, that we have to pick up that junk again. Yeah. And what we have to do is cast it down. Listen to what Paul tells us here again in, in verse 4. It says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I'll tell you this, church, I think some of our biggest issues is the self-talk that we talk to ourselves on and how we tell ourselves. We, we, we criticize ourselves so much and we beat ourselves down so much when the littlest things happen. Instead of looking at the accuser and rebuking the devil and to continue marching on. And to have the, know, the knowledge that Jesus is going to lead you through that. I'm not saying speak falsely. But something can be said about speaking things that are positive. We live in a society that wants to tear you down and rip you up and spit you out and then continue going forward. If you don't believe that, go look online what people do and how they belittle other people. We live in a, in a world that wants to come and hit you and, and get your mind thinking. But he tells us these are the things that we need to concentrate on. Why? It's because it puts us in a different attitude. It puts us in a different frame of mind. And that's really what God wants us. You have to make that decision. Every bit of this is about the decisions we make. And the choices we make. I'm reading a book that's by an author that I really love. The name's Smart Choices. And he's a leadership person. 
And he actually is the vice president of, of um, Chick-fil-A. And he's written this book on, on choices that we make and they, how they kind of come down to. But you realize everything, every problem we've had in life, every situation that we face comes from our choices. So we made those choices distinctly. God has forgiven us as we move forward, but we still have the consequences of those choices. Can we all agree on that? So if those are the decisions that we're making, wouldn't it behoove us to make positive decisions as we move forward? Wouldn't it make sense that if you're really struggling and you're really struggling, put on some praise and worship music? That way you begin to sing and you begin to praise. It changes the atmosphere and the spirit around you. Why? It's because the Holy Spirit comes in and you've given him authority to come in and welcoming him. Where, where, and it, what it does is it chases out those things that the enemy has put around you and helps us overcome. Sunday mornings are hard for, for those that are in worship or, or they're serving. Why? It's because we're battling. We're battling through the spirit of the things that the enemy is trying to keep from happening in here. So there's some Sunday mornings that I'll just put on some praise or worship song, and I like, like Rocky-type praise music. The first song we sang today, I Thank God, is one of my favorites. And I'll turn it as loud as I can in my car and sing it the whole way. I know everyone else driving next to me think I'm nuts. But let me tell you something. By the time I get here and I keep thinking that and I've repeated, I thank God over and over again, I feel like I am invincible getting out of the car. I feel like no matter what we do, God has pushed a shield on me and we're going to continue to move forward. My takeaway from this is my life is shaped by my thoughts. You ever think about that? The thoughts you have. And they might be innocent. They might be innocent, the thoughts that you have, but, but what it does is it discourages you. It gets us down. So we have to fight through it. Since I was kind of preparing for this all week, I, I really have had this, um, the old song on my heart. And I don't know if any of you know it, but it's called What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Amen. And I've kind of just sang that in my spirit through this week. But listen to those words. It says, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Amen. And what it's saying is that we've, the things that we carry, the burdens that we carry, the self-talk that we carry, we carry it by our choice. But God doesn't want us to stay that way. He wants us to cast it upon him. That's why Peter said, cast our cares upon him. He wants those. Fourth thing is, is to be contented in with my things. I think this is a big issue in society today. I have been caught up in this to where the things that I buy and the things that surround me were once really, really important. And I don't say that to give the enemy, but what, what I found is when I started to acquire these things in vehicles or whatever it was, that it just, it tied me up, tied me up financially. It burdened me because I had to keep doing things to keep affording them and to keep taking care of them. Listen to what he says here in Philippians. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. That word contentment or that word content, something we need to have in our vocabulary. Yeah. 
I'm not saying you don't have dreams or goals or aspirations. That's not what I'm saying. But contentment means that we're in the midst of a storm and we're in the midst of life. And all we want to do is acquire things and, and do this to be show. Go, go look on Instagram or, or Facebook or TikTok and see these things. Sometimes I wonder if people are just putting them on there to show other people. And what happens is we kind of feel like we need to keep up with the Joneses. So we do everything we can to keep up with them. And the whole midst of that, we're, we're empty and void inside. And all we're doing is chasing after some unreal expectations. I think we deserve better than that. I read an article recently that talked about anger comes from unfulfilled expectations. Think about that when people, and we see that with, in people these days with road rage or, or people getting on to other people in the stores and stuff. And you wonder how much of that is just unfulfilled expectations that they've placed upon themselves. Think about the fact is, what if we just did less? What if we just acquired less? That when you walk in your closet, it wasn't from side to side filled with clothes and hundreds of shoes that, that rot and will go away and you have to throw them away. But if you had just maybe a few items in there and you didn't, you know, that wasn't, it was just the fact that the stress of having to walk in there and figure out what you want changes. Or maybe constantly buying the latest you know, vehicle or, or, or buying the latest game or going to the, you know, something that, that costs a lot and you, you're saving up to be able to go to it just because everyone else said they did it. And what people, what that does, it leaves people constantly disappointed. If we reevaluate our expectations, we don't live and walk around with that constant disappointment. I'm not saying, we're, we're not trying to be perfect. Here at New Life, we strive for excellence. And what that means is we do everything to our ability to, that God receives the glory. And we do whatever we can to make it as good and excellent as possible that God may receive the glory. We strive for that. That's different from someone that wants to be perfect and perfectionism because that perfectionism puts an expectation on us and we constantly live in, in an area of disappointment. Listen to what he, Paul tells us again in Philippians. says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty are in want. See, I, we learned that contentment. You know, we're so blessed in this country. Amen. If you ever take an opportunity to go outside our country, I've gone to some, the mission field a few times and helped with some missionaries and done the work, and you, you, you feel almost filthy with the things that you have because of what they're, what they're living. And they're joyful. They don't have these things that tie them down. Their heart is joyful. Because all they have is, is maybe Jesus. And that's all we really need. Amen. And that's all we really need to take with us. Listen to what uh, Solomon tells us in Ecclesiastes. Better, better to have only a little with peace of mind than to be busy all the time with both hands trying to catch the wind. Amen. How many of you think about our schedules that we have? And we constantly got to be running here or there or doing this and that. 
Ever think that maybe something needs to be cut out? I am horrible at that in my schedule. I looked at my calendar the other day, and it's like, man, there's, there's too many times it's just chasing after the wind where I've overcommitted and, and don't fulfill the needs that I need to make. We need to slow down. Timothy tells us, but godliness with contentment is great gain. He's just telling us we need to stop and reevaluate, stop in the way we look at our life. My takeaway from be content with my things, and I think this is it for everyone, is Christ is enough for me. He's enough for you. And if that's all we had in life, what a great gain that is. What a great thing we have to be able to share. Instead of just asking for one more thing, Christ is enough for me. If I can have the worship team come up. The fifth thing is trust God for all things. We live in an age where most people don't trust and they question everything. They don't trust those around them, maybe for good reason. They've had friends that have broken their hearts or friends that have broken their trust or people in general, just the way they were raised. And what it does is it skews our view of who Jesus is. And what we have to do is we have to work at our relationship so that trust is built. Think about when you guys came in this morning. You came in, everyone came in, they took a seat. You didn't think if that chair was going to hold your weight or not, did you? You didn't think if that chair was going to break when you sat in it or if that chair had a bad leg on it and you'd fall down. Why? It was you trusted it. You've had... You've had it back and forth over a long period of time where you've sat down in those areas. And I say that is because that's kind of like our walk with God. We have to go to him in prayer. We have to constantly be there, and God meets us. But it takes time, and it takes our, our patience and our decisions and the choices that we make to go back to him each and every day, each and every moment. Why? It's because there's that moment we know that we trust him. And we trust him through those situations that God is going to be there, lead us through no matter what we're going through. God, there's an expectation we have when, I, when we pray. I think it's the way that my parents raised me. But no matter what, and maybe it's blind faith, but no matter what situation, I can honestly say... I don't feel like the enemy is going to win. And I've been in some tough situations. But we were raised to and learn to, 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 our, you know, to speak to ourselves with, with, with positive things. And we learn to speak to the Lord in positive things the way that we speak to ourselves. So many of us always, that, that self-talk really disrupts us. Because we teach ourselves, I'll never do this. No one will ever, and I'll never overcome this obstacle. It is going to be here. My grandfather should say, a leopard spots never change. But you know what? When we, that leopard comes into the, to the creator's arms, those spots can change. I kept telling myself for years I would never finish college. It seemed like it was one of those obstacles, one of those goals that we'd just never be able to get to. And I, I, I left in my junior year to go chase a job, and I came back 20-something years later. I was like, I'm going to give it one more time. And I pressed through, 
and I got it, and I walked across that stage. Why? It wasn't for anyone else. It was because I kept telling myself, I can't do this. I can't overcome it. And with God's help, he drugged me through, and I got through it. And so can you, no matter what you're going through, learn to trust the Lord. One of my favorite passages is Philippians 4.13. It says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I can do all things, no matter what I'm facing, no matter what obstacle I'm going through. And he finishes up in verse 19, says, and my God will meet all of your needs. All of your needs. It doesn't say some, does it? It says all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. All of your needs. He doesn't leave us hanging, church. So why did I think it was important to share this today? It's because the things we're going to walk through in life, and I'm not being negative. I, you read the scriptures and the things in the last days, they get tough, they get hard. And there are things that are going to come at us and our minds are going to be pulled this way, that way, this way, that way. And all Christ is saying is keep your, mind, keep your eyes set forward. All you have to do is focus your decisions with him in the middle. All you have to do is make your choices with him in the middle. The Bible also tells us that we resist the enemy, so we resist those thoughts. We resist him, and it says he will flee. I'm not saying it happens the first time. I'm not saying it happens the 20th time. What I'm saying is the Bible tells us, and God's not a liar, that if we resist him, he will flee. So Psalms, I'll leave you with this. Psalms tell us, those who know your name trust in you. How many of you trust this morning in, in Lord Jesus? For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Trust is born out of a real relationship. That relationship with Christ is born from that just being honest with God. When you're hurting and when you're struggling, we go to him. But when we're happy and joyful and we're praising him, we go to him. We go to him in all things that we go through. Will you bow your heads with me? Father, I pray this morning. Lord, I pray for those that are here that they not be anxious over anything. No matter what has happened in their life, that they learn to stay in that moment. Father, I pray for those that, that fight anxiety and they fight that situation. Holy Spirit, comfort them right now. May they feel your presence. May they feel your love. And Father, may we learn the discipline of praying about everything. May we learn to have that relationship with you, Father, that we can take everything to you. We can give it all to you. No matter the good and the bad, we share it with you. Why? Because you're our Lord. You're our God. Father, And we also ask today, give us wisdom so that we can filter out the things of this world that our minds begin to think on those things that are good and pure. Lord, and for those that struggle with their self-talk, I pray, Holy Spirit, comfort them right now. Speak into their lives. 
block the enemy in the name of Jesus, Lord, around them. That those darts he sends will not penetrate, that they'll reverse and go back to the enemy. That we learn to overcome our battles by learning to believing that you and trusting you, that no matter what we walk through, you're going to lead us through unscathed. And Father, forgive us for being discontented at times, always wanting more. But Lord, you are enough for us. You're enough for me. Father, I pray this morning over everyone that is here. May your Holy Spirit continue to touch them, pour out upon them.